from MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield out this week. Today on the show, we welcome back our friend Terry Vendeventer to talk Mississippi snakes and about the upcoming Tupelo Bio Blitz. To celebrate National Park Week and National Junior Ranger Day, the Natchez Trace Parkway will host Bio Blitz and Wildlife Festival uh, to celebrate wildlife and biodiversity. We'll talk about that, Mississippi snakes, and take pet questions that you may have for Dr. Major. Join the conversation with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Or email the show, animals at mpbonline.org. This is Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield out this week. Today on the show, we welcome back our friend Terry Vendeventer to talk about Mississippi snakes and about the upcoming Tupelo Bio Blitz. To celebrate National Park Week and National Junior Ranger Day, the Natchez Trace Parkway will host the Bio Blitz and Wildlife Festival to celebrate wildlife and biodiversity. We'll talk about that, about Mississippi snakes, and any pet questions you have for Dr. Major. To join the conversation, just phone call 1-877-MPB-RING. It's one 672 7464, or you can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Always like to remind you that uh, if you miss the Creature Comforts broadcast on Thursday, it repeats Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning, Dr. Major. Hope you're doing well good this morning. morning. Doing fine. Thank you. Uh, we've got uh, Terry on the line. We'll join with him in just a few minutes, but we do uh, have an early email here uh, that says, I have an overweight five-year-old beagle dachshund who cries constantly if I'm cooking or eating. Do you recommend any food or behavioral things that I can do? It sounds like this is the case of uh, the beagle, uh, or beagle dachshund, dachshund beagle, whatever, uh, training uh, training you. <laughs> and uh, certainly it can be annoying if an animal is sitting there crying and whining. My suggestion, if he'll do this, would be to take something like uh, maybe some raw carrots, the small carrots, and offer that as a treat when you're cooking. Some of them are not to be fooled by this, but a lot of times just anything that you offer uh, will be fine. And, of course, the overweight deal, uh, certainly uh, people food in general is not the best thing for uh, for our pets. So try uh, distracting him or her and getting the attention away from the food, but maybe using something like carrots or uh, green beans. Sometimes dogs will like those. So let's try that and see. Um, I also I would say that once that kind of behavior sets in, it, it's, it, it is a little bit difficult to, to stop them, especially, and I, you know, as you say, uh, just we sometimes give in and, and do things for our pets, and then later we get a little bit upset when that behavior gets repeated, but they've learned that, hey, this works to get this, so sometimes well, hard to undo that. And a lot of times we do th- something to, if you want to say it, shut them up or make them be quiet <laughs> by giving in to them. 
and uh, just uh, maybe uh, give some variety. And uh, I, I like the idea of something like the vegetables. If, mm-hmm. you, if a dog will eat those, the carrots or green beans might work to take his attention off of uh, the food that you're cooking. All right, very good. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, pets today with Dr. Major. If you have a question, also we're going to learn about uh, the Bio Blitz and Wildlife Festival uh, with our guest Terry Vendevetter, who is also our snake expert. Uh, Terry, thanks for joining us this morning. It's always a pleasure. We really do appreciate it. You're under the weather a little bit this morning, so again, we do appreciate you coming on to uh, help us out today. So let's jump right into things. Uh, April fourteenth uh, at the Natchez Trace Parkway. Uh, what's what's going on? Well, uh, up in Tupelo at the Natchez Trace Parkway Visitor Center, every year we have our Wildlife Festival and Bio Blitz. And this is a great event for, for families and kids to come out, learn about nature, uh, get in touch with, uh, with natural things. And we have speakers, hands-on uh, activities, and uh, trips into the, into the wilderness to, uh, to, you know, to, to find different kinds of creatures and plants and things and, and just bring people in touch with their surroundings. And it's a it's a great time. Lots of good activities. So that's a catchy phrase. Who, where did we come up with bio blitz? And tell us a little bit about more about the, what that would be. Well, bio blitzes are held around the United States, and these are uh, public activities. People are are invited to come out where authorities, uh, experts in different fields of of biology, will take people into the field on trails and down by creeks and things where they they sample insects and wildlife of different kinds, uh, different plants and such. And um, they often keep tallies or, or lists of the different things they saw. And sometimes it's a bit of a, of a, of a competition, which is, which is a lot of fun. And, and again, getting children from out in front of the computer and getting them out into, into nature is a, is a very important thing in this day and age. And I, yeah, I think it probably makes it more exciting, not only for kids, but also for adults, instead of maybe someone at a, a lecture behind a podium showing slides of things to, as you say, get out, enjoy nature. Everybody's getting some exercise and you're, and you're getting to interact with nature up close and personally. Oh, yes. It's real. It's real. I mean, who knows what you might see that day. And, uh, and at this event, we do have many stations set up with, uh, people from, wildlife fisheries and parks and people from uh um you know the forest service and and things like that and they're they're these stations are people can go from station to station they can they can pet animals they can learn about things like a suppression of fire in mississippi and fire is a very important thing in uh, many of our natural ecosystems and so this is an exposure to the wildlife you know things that people don't see every day, but things that they need they need to know about, and it's presented in a fun, you know, family oriented fashion. If you would talk a little bit about the importance of biodiversity, well, biodiversity we are part of that. We are part of biodiversity in that uh, everything around us. You know, we've all heard of the the web of life. Everything affects everything else, and um, in this period of time, we're going through a sixth extinction on the planet earth and animals are disappearing and and as uh, as animals and plants become extinct well that kind of brings us a little closer to the top of the list as humans and so we need an appreciation of of biodiversity everything fits together all the simply diverse types of wildlife and plants and organisms in the world fit together they link together and and i know this is a very uh, unacademic description but it's it's simple as that 
you know, when one thing disappears, it affects everything in, in the entire chain. It's, it's one link. And as things disappear, you know, we, it takes us closer to, uh, to our disappearance. And people need to understand that, especially in this political climate that we have today. Uh, it's, it's very important that people learn about nature. All right. Uh, so it's uh, April 14th, which is a week from Saturday. Uh, where can folks go to uh, find out more information about the event? Well, they can contact the Natchez Trace Parkway Visitor Center in Tupelo, and that number is 800-305-7417. And I'm sure that they can uh, can Google the, the, the Wildlife Festival and BioBlitz 2018, and I'm sure that they can get more information there. Uh, as a matter of fact, I did this morning just for my, my, my cheat notes here. <laughs> I have it in front of me, so it, it, all the information is there. There will be things like um, junior ranger station, hunter education, uh, GPS and geocaching activities. That's where they go into the woods to find things that have been hidden uh, beforehand, and they're given coordinates that they have to follow, and they have to find those things. It's an orienteering sort of thing. Uh, Natchez Trace history, Mississippi black bears, endangered bats, Smokey the Bear, all kinds of events that day. It's, it's a really good thing. I've been presenting my program on live Mississippi snakes there for probably uh, 15 or 20 years. So I will be there myself uh, doing uh, two programs that day. All right. So I'll, I'll see everybody there. And again, you know, maybe geared somewhat towards children, but certainly, you know, you mentioned hunter education, things like that, something that uh, all members of the family would be interested in and, and find something enjoyable to do. Yeah, and, and often there's, there's other groups there, too, like there's uh, reenactors who depict uh, life on the old Natchez Trace back in the 1800s. And, you know, so they're, they're, they're cooking in the old-fashioned. They've got tents set up, and they're, they're dressed as people would have, would have dressed in those days. So that's educational and very um, often very interesting to the adults as well. All kinds of good things going on. I, I, I can't say enough about it. All right, so again, that's uh, April 14th, a week from Saturday, at the uh, Natchez Trace Parkway Visitor Center in Tupelo, uh, the uh, Bio Blitz and Wildlife Festival. So uh, let's take an early break. When we get back, uh, we also have Terry on the program because he's our snake man. So we're going to be talking Mississippi snakes this morning. And uh, Dr. Major is here ready for your pet questions. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more of the show after this break. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield is out this week, but we do have a guest with us, and it is Terry Vendeventer from, uh, that has told us a little bit about uh, the Bio Blitz and Wildlife Festival coming up on April 14th at the Natchez Trace Parkway Visitor Center in Tupelo. He's also our, our resident snake man. So if you have a question about snakes, you can give us a call or a pet question for Dr. Major because the phone lines are open and available. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. If you can't get to the phone, you can always send an email. It's animals at mpbonline.org. So, Terry, if you would uh, tell us a little bit about uh, where did your interest in snakes come from? I mean, where did all this uh, get started? Well, uh, like, like all little children, uh, you, you turn over a brick or a rock and you find roly polies and all kinds of neat little critters. And, 
And since I was a very small child, four years old, I've had a fascination with snakes and all things reptilian and amphibian related. But snakes have always been my favorite. And, and um, you know, I, I filed for Medicare the other day. So <laughs> I, I've, been, <laughs> I've been doing this for a long, long time. And uh, it's, my, it's my favorite thing. And it is my vocation. It's what I do for a living. Uh, I take every opportunity, like today, to, to spread the good word about our legless friends uh, everywhere I can. Well, and, you know, you always do such a good job of kind of helping us realize that, that snakes aren't maybe the, the evil creatures that a lot of people uh, tend to think that they are. Do, do you have any th- ideas, thoughts about why hum- humans are so afraid of snakes? Well, one thing we have to understand is that snakes don't hate people. They don't hate you. They're, they, they just want to make a living. They're, they're out there doing everything that we do every day. They're, they're minding their own business, and they're making a living. And what they do just happens to benefit people, and that, that's really a good thing. But we used to say that, that the fear of snakes was, um, was a taught fear. Someone older than you had to teach you this, that little children weren't afraid. And really, little children aren't afraid of snakes. But we're tending to look now at, at, at uh, going back many thousands of years, and maybe, maybe this is something we're hardwired for. Maybe, you know, when we see a snake, something in our brain that goes back 10, 10 20, 30,000 years tells us, maybe that's something you don't want to pick up. <laughs> You know, so that's where we're kind of going in that direction. But but people can change, and many people aren't afraid of snakes, and many people find them very endearing. So not everybody has to be afraid of snakes, but I think some people um, hate them, but they really don't know why. All right, we've got a call on the line. Let's invite uh, Elliot from Hattiesburg into the conversation this morning. Go ahead, Elliot. You're on the air. Hi. Um, well, I have a question about a northern brown snake. I'm 11 years old, and we recently found a dead one while we were out on a walk, me and my family. So where, could, where would be the best place to really find one, like in a bush, under some pine straw? Well, well, the little brown snakes, uh, the one we have in Mississippi is called a, a midland brown snake, actually. And uh, the name of the, of the species is the decays brown snake, named after oh. decay, uh, a naturalist in New York. But uh, they're common throughout Mississippi. They're a small snake, 12 inches long. They uh, are completely harmless, and they feed almost exclusively on slugs, which is kind of a nice thing to have around your garden, you know, eating all the slugs. Uh, Many people who don't know about snakes will automatically refer to these as as copperheads or baby copperheads, and they're not. And they they don't even resemble one other than the fact they have no legs. So, uh, but you find them under things. You find them under landscape timbers and pine straw, and they don't bite. They're they're perfectly harmless and and uh, found all over the state of Mississippi, especially in the early spring. All right, all right, Elliot. Uh, thanks for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're talking snakes in Mississippi with our resident snake man Terry Vendeventer. Doctor Major's here, ready to take some pet question as well. We've got some open phone lines at one eight seven seven. MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. So Terry, you just mentioned that those brown snakes uh, eat slugs, and and that's that's a big plus in my book because to me there's nothing kind of more yuck than uh, when you see a slug, you know, uh, crawling up your wall, or actually if I've, I had the misfortune one time of kind of stepping on one. So uh, so snakes, as you said, aren't the evil things. Talk a little bit about. Uh, maybe ecological and economic benefits the, the, of snakes? Well, snakes are extremely important to the environment, and uh, they are no less important than deer or turkeys or bass and things that we, we often 
think about when we think about wildlife. Uh, snakes feed heavily on rodents. Rodents uh, destroy our property. They destroy uh, one one third. I'm sorry, one fifth of the world's uh, grain and crops every year. You know, all of those are ties to rodents. And rodents spread diseases, and uh, they cause house fires by chewing on wiring. And while rodents are simply doing what comes naturally to them, um, they hurt us. And as a result, we should appreciate snakes because snakes are the number one predator on rats and mice in the world. And so they, they eat many things that we find undesirable. They help us in that way. And from snake venoms, from deadly snakes, we get all kinds of pharmaceuticals and drugs. Uh, we, have, we get um, pharmaceuticals that treat breast cancer and uh, uh, hypoglycemia and, and, and uh, all, high blood pressure. Uh, who's, who's listening that doesn't have high blood pressure? <laughs> and, and it's interesting that, that that particular medicine was developed from an extremely deadly snake from Brazil, La Jararaca. And that medicine, Captopril, was actually developed right here at University Medical Center in Jackson, Mississippi. And a snake that kills 20,000 people a year in the jungles of, of, of Amazon saves 50 million people a year with a drug that controls high blood pressure. So from the tooth of the serpent comes both death and healing. And, and so uh, our, our southern copperhead, the copperhead that lives right here in, in Jackson, Mississippi, is being used in breast cancer trials. Uh, and it, it, it to to great you know to great results for sure. So snakes. Um, every person listening to this this program today have been affected positively, and their their lives have been made better, and they've been prolonged by snakes. And and yet even in this day and age, many people hold uh, prejudices, and they uh, very often hate snakes, and and they kill them at every turn. But I think maybe maybe we're we're rounding a corner and i i'm i'm very proud to have something to do with that we are visiting on creature comforts today with our snake man terry vendeventer if you have a question about snakes of mississippi you can give us a call uh, dr majors here ready for your pet questions as well the number is 1877 mpb ring dr major i guess it's not too unusual for snakes to be pets um do you see many pets at the, in the in the clinic we see a few uh Obviously, it would not be good to have the native uh, snakes uh, that we would have in, in Mississippi as pets. Uh, we do see some ball pythons, uh, some other constrictors, uh, and there are people that are enthusiasts that uh, actually breed and raise, raise snakes. The, the real problem that I see with most of the snake uh, trade is that uh, improper education, facility, and uh, a lot of times people will buy a snake because they like the idea from a pet shop. Nothing, not down on pet shops necessarily, but they'll buy one and then they don't receive the uh, instruction and advice that they need to take care of that animal properly. Um, Terry, you know, the other thing to me about snakes is if you can get over that kind of fear of them, I, they're really kind of really interesting animals. I mean, to be able to touch the, the skin of a snake and, and the way they use their their tongue to sort of uh, navigate uh, their surroundings. Um, tell us a little bit about that. How do how do snakes kind of uh, uh, get around in their surroundings and, and and know where they are? That sort of thing. Well, well, like you like you started out. You know, snakes are are elegant and graceful animals. They are not slimy or cold, and they they often have the colors that rival jungle birds and tropical fish. 
if you can stop for a moment and look at it with an open mind, you see that these are wonderful things. And uh, they are very, very in tune with their environment. Their tongue is used to smell, and uh, they, they don't literally smell with their tongue. Their tongue is a chemical receptor. They wave it in the air, and they catch molecules, catch molecules, and they bring them back in and send them to their brain. Uh, their vision is good, uh, although they're kind of nearsighted. They don't see mountain vistas. They don't have to. They, they live in close quarters among grass and rocks and leaves and things. They see very well up close. They hear um, on a different level than we do. They probably don't appreciate music that much, but they do hear, especially in uh, lower tones. And uh, they are very in tune with their environment. They, they know everything that's going on around them. And so they're, they're not something that's just bumbling through the forest. They're very sophisticated, highly adapted creatures that, that uh, every day we find out more and more fascinating things about how they lead their lives. Uh, we have a caller on the line. Let's uh, go back to the phones. Roger's called in from Cleveland. Roger, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi. Uh, I was hoping you could talk about water moccasins and, uh, you know, give a general thing about them because they're coming out now. And uh, specifically what to do if you get bit. And I'll take my answer off the air. I appreciate it. Very interesting. All right. Thanks for the call, okay. Roger. Go ahead, Terry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the cottonmouth, sometimes called a water moccasin, is a statewide in occurrence. It's a highly venomous snake, although there's only been one fatality from the bite of a cottonmouth in the United States in, in the last 75 years. So they're not generally considered deadly. But uh, they're abundant in all habitats in Mississippi. Uh, contrary to popular belief, they are not aggressive. No snake is aggressive. But uh, they can, upon occasion, be highly defensive. They're heavy-bodied. They are not fast. And they tend to look like a pile of mud. So I suppose someone could step on one. Uh, very few bite, snakes bite when stepped upon. But nonetheless, um, it's the most hated, feared, and misunderstood snake in America. So uh, they're the, probably the number one snake bite species in Mississippi because people simply will not leave them alone. They, they make every effort to kill them, attack them, poke them, hit them with sticks, shoot them. And as a result, uh, we have many bites from cottonmouths. Um, the best treatment for snake bite is a, a set of car keys. Mm. Uh, in other words, you should stay calm. You should immobilize the limb. Most bites are on the hand, and so you should simply put it in a sling or something and just keep it still. Use no first aid, no cutting, no sucking, no, no uh, you know, split chickens or corn whiskey or anything like that, <laughs> and transport to, to a, a medical facility. But, but don't worry, because uh, as far as fatalities go, we cannot record, we cannot find a genuine bona fide snake bite fatality in Mississippi going back over 75 years. So uh, it's going to ruin your day, but, but you're, you're not going to die from it. So. All right. Uh, are snakes present in, in all counties in Mississippi? Yes. We have 56 types of snakes in Mississippi that are found there's no place you can go in Mississippi and not find snakes, even on the barrier islands uh, in the Gulf of Mexico. What are some of the more common snakes that you would find here in Mississippi? Well, uh, the little brown brown snakes we talked about a moment ago, uh, the little earth snakes, which are little nondescript gray snakes, six or eight inches long, you find under landscape timbers around your house. Black racers or black runners, they're often called uh, rat snakes, often that's grandma's chicken snake. 
And those are those are some of the more abundant ones. In in aquatic situations, we have many types of, of harmless water snakes, and we have six species of venomous snakes in Mississippi. Uh, copperheads and cottonmouths being the most common ones. Um, generally, venomous snakes tend to avoid people, but where I live, we occasionally find a cottonmouth or a copperhead in the yard, and we. We make no special note of it. Uh, I, if it's right there by the back steps, I move it over to the edge of the yard. But we make no special effort to avoid them or anything like that. I don't suggest that people live my lifestyle, but I understand them. And I understand that they're not out there trying to get me, and they don't, they don't hold any malice toward me. But, you know, accidents do occasionally happen for sure. Um, what, what about in, in metro areas like uh, in, in the Jackson area? I guess uh, snakes can find their way even outside of uh, rural areas or, or you know, nature areas. Sure, sure. Um, many snakes are highly adapted to urban areas. Uh, rat snakes, king snakes, uh, the speckled king snake, the black snake with little white polka dots all over him. Um, and in some urban areas, if you have lakes and, and creeks, you may have a cottonmouth. Uh, generally, the harmless water snakes that look like cottonmouths are the abundant snake there, and, they're, and people often report them as being cottonmouths when they're not, and copperheads. Now, rattlesnakes uh, greatly avoid people. You're, you're not going to find a rattlesnake in Jackson. They, and they've been wiped out to the point where rattlesnakes over much of Mississippi have, have disappeared or have uh, declined to a point where you rarely see them. Uh, we need to take another quick break. Uh, when we get back, we'll continue talking with our guest, Terry Vendeventer, our snake man, who's also been telling us about uh, an upcoming event in Tupelo. We'll mention that again after this break. We've got some open phone lines ready for your snake questions and pet questions at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more Creature Comforts after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield is out this week, but we do have a guest with us. It's Terry Vandevetter, who is our snake expert. Uh, but Terry is also here to talk about um, an upcoming event, uh, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. Also, though, we want to promote an event coming up at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science this Saturday, April 7th. It's one of their big events every year. It's Nature Fest. Uh, some of the things that you can enjoy during Nature Fest, there's the Wildlife Wonders Traveling Exotic Animal Show, a behind-the-scenes tour of the museum's land. Uh, there's the native plant garden. You can hike through their springtime trails. There'll be some food trucks there. And new for this year, uh, lawn bowling. That sounds like fun. And also a mosaic art workshop. The following Saturday, April 14th, is the BioBlitz and Wildlife Festival at the Natchez Trace Parkway Visitor Center in Tupelo. Terry, if you would, remind us about some of the activities uh, uh, going on up there in Tupelo in a couple of weeks. Sure, sure. Um you know, weather permitting, it's always a beautiful weekend up there. But uh, families come out, and we have demonstrators. We have stations set up that uh, to um, educate people about biodiversity and different types of wildlife and, and forestry management, you know, hunter education, all kinds of things. 
Uh, we have live hands-on demonstrations, and we have bio blitz, which is where um, children are able to go from station to station, check off certain goals, uh, maybe win certain prizes, and we have little field trips uh, off the Natchez Trace there, where where we can observe uh, reptiles and amphibians and insects and birds, um, all kinds of hands-on, family-oriented and nature. Uh, positive sort of activities, getting people out on a Saturday morning, out from in front of the computer, out from in front of the TV, and uh, out into the wild, which is a, always a good thing. And if you needed more information, uh, you could uh, do a search online for Bio Blitz and Wildlife Festival, uh, the Natchez Trace Parkway, 2018, or call the Tupelo Visitor Center, the, the Natchez Trace Parkway Visitor Center in Tupelo at 800 305 Seven four one seven. Back to the phone lines we go. We start again. Our buddy Rich from Gulfport on the line. Good morning, Rich. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Uh, your guest was talking about reptiles. I was wondering if a lizard is a reptile, and what's the difference between iguanas and gila monsters? Or are they the same thing? Well, lizards are are in fact reptiles. They sure are. And iguanas are native to Mexico and Central America, and they're a harmless um, plant-eating lizard that tends to live in the trees. Gila monsters are a lizard that lives in southwestern United States and Mexico. It's, uh, it's a venomous lizard, although uh, basically harmless to people because the only way one could bite you is if you picked it up and, and, uh, and allowed it to. They're, they're basically harmless, but they're, they're two different kinds of reptiles for sure. All right, Rich, always good to hear from you. Let's move on next. We've got uh, Jeremy calling in from Jackson today. Go ahead, Jeremy. You're on the air. Hi. I was calling because you had mentioned uh, uh, snake's hearing ability, and I was wondering if you could comment, and how does the snake charming, uh, snake charmers in India, how does that work if the snake's hearing is not so well? Well, sure, sure. Snakes, we've always said the snakes were deaf. But they're not deaf. They do have internal ears. They don't have the big floppy things we have on the side of our heads. But they, they pick up vibrations off the ground, which, of course, hearing is vibrations. And they pick up some vibrations through the air. And tests have shown that they can hear certain things. As far as the snake charmers in India go, that's a sham. Uh, they, uh, they catch these cobras and they sew their mouths shut so they can't bite. And when the snakes rear up in their famous hooded fashion, the snakes tend to kind of give a dance. They sway and dance back and forth. And what they're doing is they're following the visual effects of the, of the person playing the flute. They can't hear the flute. But as the person waves back and forth, uh, it waves their body and their hands, the snakes tend to follow those visual cues, and it gives the impression that the snake is dancing to the music. And so that's a pretty simple explanation there. All right, uh, Jeremy, Excellent. thanks for your call. Next, we've got uh, Robert on the line from Hattiesburg. Go ahead, Robert. You're on the air. Hey, Terry. Nice to hear from you. Um, I actually talked to you a long time ago when I was working at the Hattiesburg American as a writer. I worked yeah. on some outdoor stories for uh, the state of Mississippi. Um, I was just I'm going to hang up and uh, listen to the answer, but I was, uh, I was hoping you could maybe talk about a uh, particular species of snake that I've been fascinated with for a long time. I've seen one around here. I believe it's called the hognose pixie. I, I'm sorry, say that again? I, I believe it's the hognose pygmy. Hognose uh, pygmy. 
Oh, okay. Well, what we're, um, we're working with two different snakes here. We have a hognose snake, and we have a pygmy rattlesnake. Ah, okay. And well, it's, it's the non-venomous uh, hognose. It's the non-venomous one. Okay, great. Sure. Out, you know, and does a little cobra-like dance, I think. I, I saw one out in the wild, and it did it for me, and I... I've been fascinated with them ever since, but I could never find them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the, the hognose snake, we have two species of hognose snake in Mississippi. We have the eastern hognose snake, which occurs statewide, and then we have the southern hognose snake that only occurred in the, in the pine belt of south Mississippi. And I think the last one found was around Perkinston 40, 50 years ago, and that snake is considered extinct. But the, uh, the hognose snake is a fascinating critter. He's utterly harmless. But when approached by an enemy, he will flare his, his neck out like the aforementioned cobra, and he'll hiss and blow and make noise and, and act very dangerous. And this is meant to scare you away. And, and if you're not impressed by that, uh, he will then flip over on his back and play possum. And he'll roll around, and his eyes will spiral in his sockets, and, and blood will come out of his mouth, and his tongue will hang out, and he'll, he'll die in front of you. And the reason for doing this is many animals will kill a snake, but not necessarily eat a snake. So if your dog kills this hognose snake, he's happy with that, and he goes on his way, and later on the hognose snake rolls over and goes about his business. And uh, they have a, a, a turned-up nose that looks like a, little, like a pig, I guess, and they use this for digging up their favorite food, which is toads. And we don't see hognose snakes like we used to. And many people call them spread matters or puff adders. That's the most common name in Mississippi. And they've disappeared maybe as a result of fire ants. Uh, the hmm. jury's out on that, but we know that the southern hognose snake was wiped out by fire ants. So, uh, um, but fascinating critters. They come in 32 different flavors, just like ice cream. You get black ones, you get yellow ones, red ones, spotted ones. But um, your, your grandma will know it as a spread matter. All right. Robert, uh, thanks for your call. We've got some open phone lines. If you have a question for our guest, Terry Vendeventer, about uh, snakes in Mississippi or pet question for Dr. Major, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. So, uh, Dr. Major, you said that the clinic you sometimes see uh, the result of some unfortunate interactions between uh, dogs and snakes. Yes, it's true. And, of course, the usual, usual bite would be uh, from a uh, cotton mouth. Uh, certainly, copperheads are possible. But what's the problem with the dog is they're very curious, and they're going to stick their nose down and will quite often be bitten on the head or, or, or mouth or the muzzle. Uh, the only time this is really serious is, well, there are two things, and Terry can, I'm sure, comment on this. There's a necrotoxin part of the venom and can cause a slough or uh, tissue to uh, actually decay, and you can have a pretty bad uh, thing from that. One of the worst things is when they get bitten on the foot. There's no uh, muscle to cover there, and if that should slough, uh, you could have bone exposed. But uh, those are the things we see. Rarely, if ever, do I see a cat get bitten. They're smarter, they're smarter, at least in that yeah. respect. Uh, but again, well, the, if I could interject sure. there, um, one thing that people often forget about, uh, especially with, with dogs with thicker coats, is a dog bitten on the muzzle, one of the first things you need to do is take its collar off. Exactly. And get that collar off there because uh, that can cause problems with swelling. And I've known situations where um, 
you know, the dog was, was dying and no one knew what was going on. And it was, he was choking to death. Right. You know, so remove that collar. What usually, what usually happens is that the, uh, you're absolutely right, the uh, swelling will gravitate down and the neck will swell. And actually, eventually the swelling may appear under the chest or whatever, but as it goes down, uh, but yes, the collar should be taken off. One thing I'll mention is uh, you mentioned the things that you shouldn't do uh, from the standpoint of uh, trying to treat uh, snake bites yourself. A lot of times, as I understand, that people get in problems with ice. They'll try to ice the uh, the right. wound, and they can actually cause some severe damage from the ice uh, in those situations. Exactly. And, uh, you know, ice was used for many years to treat snake bite. And it, uh, it causes nothing but problems. And actually, a study in Florida showed that 75% of amputations that were performed on children were due to snake bite treated with cryotherapy with ice. So ice is a no-no. Don't ever use ice uh, to treat a snake bite. So um, when, are snakes more solitary creatures or they're, or they're social groups? Well, uh, a little of both, a little of both. Uh, the old idea of if you see one snake, there's going to be another one there. That's, that's not, not even close to true. But this time of year, a lady called me yesterday. She had a, a, a somewhat amorous pair of king snakes on her front porch. <laughs> uh, it's that time of year. And so this time of year with our, our abundant harmless snakes, you may find one or two or three. Um, water snakes often will, will uh, a large fat female water snake will often have numerous suitors this time of year, uh, hence the so-called ball of snakes. Uh, our pit vipers are fall breeders. They breed in, in August and September. So, um, but generally, snakes are, are somewhat antisocial. They, they don't really care about each other much. But we're finding out more things. We find that out west, rattlesnakes often live in loose family groups with nephews and nieces and cousins, and they, they recognize each other as relatives. And so, as I said earlier, we're finding more and more fascinating, wonderful things about snakes with each day that goes by. Terry, one of the things that uh, I'm asked often is, you know, how do you get rid of snakes out of your yard? And, of course, the people need to realize that uh, the snakes are there for a reason. It's for the food source. And uh, if you uh, don't want snakes in your yard, you certainly need to um, not have a lot of uh, shrub, scrub brush and stuff like that along a fence line. Sure. Uh, and the hardware stores still sell snake repellent, which, if you read the label, is nothing really but naphthalene, which uh, would compose what mothballs. Mothballs. Uh, yep. But uh, in, unless you know of something, there is no snake repellent. Exactly. Uh, since the ancient Greeks and Romans, we've we've sought out snake repellents. The, uh, the 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 big thing in the in the in the South is mothballs, and people swear <laughs> by them. And mothballs do not work. They simply do not work. And it's so hard to get that across because someone sees a snake, they put out mothballs, then they don't see a snake. Right. And they assume that it worked. But Mississippi State Poison Control Center has uh, have shown that we have up to 50 mothball poisonings in children and pets every year from people putting out mothballs to get rid of snakes and cats. They don't work. It's an old wives' tale. It's a myth, but your neighbor will tell you that it it, it works, and and it doesn't. There's nothing. Clean up your yard. Get rid of shelter board board piles. You know piles of bricks. 
piles of Katrina tin that blew off the roof right. that, that your husband's going to, he's going to use that for something someday, right? And uh, get rid of those. Those are snake magnets. Right. They attract rats and mice, which attract snakes, keep your yard clean, trail around hedges and things where you can see a snake if he's passing through. And if there's nothing there to keep him, he'll just travel on through and go over to your neighbor's ratty place. <laughs> well, please, please, please don't, and this is for listeners, please don't kill the king snakes and the the rat snakes, they do a tremendous amount of good. And uh, I told somebody a couple of years ago that uh, in my yard, uh, the king snake actually was devouring a small uh, copperhead. Hmm. So those snakes can be beneficial. And one of the more amusing, I won't take any more time, but one of the more amusing things was the uh, old Western thing where that uh, supposedly when cowboys would sleep out on the ground, they would put a horse-eyed rope around their uh, sleeping bags uh, as a deterrent to rattlesnakes. And, of course, that is not true either. But that's one of the ways that they prevented, supposedly, the snakes. Yep, yep. And consider, too, that the vast majority of snake bites, uh, CDC says upwards of 90% of all snake bites in America happen during the attempt to kill a snake. Snakes (laughs) do not attack humans. They don't chase people. They want nothing to do with you. And, uh, but, but when people try to kill them, they will defend themselves. And, and so leave them alone. All right. We need to take one final break this hour. When we get back, we got a couple of phone calls to get to. We're visiting today on Creature Comforts with Terry Vendevender, who's telling us more about Mississippi snakes. Dr. Major here, ready to take some pet questions as well. Back to wrap up the show after this short break. Mississippi Public Broadcasting is pleased to announce an innovative new way you can support us. Change by Soft Giving allows you to round up your change from everyday purchases and donate it to MPB. Sign up today by visiting mpbonline.org slash support. From there, securely link your credit or debit card information to start rounding up your change. Your contributions allow us to continue providing smart, entertaining, and engaging programming to Mississippians. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield is out this week, so we're here with our guest, Terry Vendeventer, who is telling us about the snakes in Mississippi. Also, a couple of uh, upcoming wildlife uh, uh, events to uh, talk about, some festivals. First, this Saturday, April 7th, Nature Fest at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Lots of uh, family-friendly events going on, some food trucks there. Uh, You can uh, go behind-the-scenes tour of the museum, uh, a hike of their springtime trails, and again, a lot of activities going on. And then the following Saturday, April 14th, Terry has been telling us about the Bio Blitz and Wildlife Festival. It's at the Natchez Trace Parkway in Tupelo. And if you need some more information about that, you could Google uh, that or you could call the Natchez Trace Parkway Visitor Center in Tupelo at 800-305-7417. Got some phone calls to get to. Let's start again in Raymond. Meg has called in today. Good morning, Meg. Go ahead, please. Good morning. I've always loved frogs, and I know this is a little off topic, but um, recently I've noticed the toads that live all along the back of my house are going to some newly worked up soil. We've been working on the flower beds, and they will, like, use their hind legs to kind of dig their bodies down into that soft, moist soil. And I wonder, are they laying eggs? Are they doing that just to absorb water through their skin? Right, right, yeah. Uh, Amphibians breathe through their skin. 
and so their skin has to remain moist. And toads are burrowers. They like to get in there and shuffle down into that soil where they spend the day where it's moist and cool, and then they come out at night and help us by eating insects. They lay their eggs in ponds and creeks and ditches and aquatic situations where the female toad will lay you know, a couple thousand eggs, and then we'll have a couple thousand little toad poles, and they'll transform later in the season into little little toadlets and go about helping us, uh, you know, by eating thousands of insects every year. All right, Meg, thanks for your call. Let's move on. Next, we've got uh, Bob and Collins. Bob, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. All right. Thanks for letting me on the air. Sure. I'm going to check this theory out with the uh, snake people. Okay. All right. Uh, Non-poisonous snakes uh, breed in the summer, approaching summer, and uh, they lay eggs because of the period of being able to hatch out during warmer weather. But non uh, poisonous snakes, most of them lay uh, b- uh, born alive, and they need the uh, when they're born, they need to be able to uh, get to the next part of the season. Is that true or false? Uh, well, um, about seventy-five percent of snakes lay eggs. Uh, they sure do. They they mate in the spring, lay eggs in early summer, and they hatch in, in the, at the end of summer. But water snakes and garter snakes and a number of harmless snakes do have live babies. Uh, all of our venomous snakes mate in the fall. They go through the winter and through the entire next summer, and they give birth at the same time one year later. And and uh, and they do give birth to to live babies. Uh, the, the only venomous snake in Mississippi that does not give birth to live babies is the coral snake. And the coral snake lives, um, well, the northernmost record is southern Covington County. So they're, they're in the Pine Belt. We don't have to worry about those in the Jackson area, but, but uh, watch out for them in Covington County down there in Collins. So. All right. Bob, thanks for that question. Next, we've got uh, Dudley in Calhoun County. Go ahead, Dudley. My question was, and I think the gentleman answered it already, uh, I was concerned about the coral snake, and do we have coral snakes in Mississippi? We sure do. We, we, the coral snakes live in the pine belt of South Mississippi, about the southern fifth of the state. They're, they're quite uncommon. Uh, in 42 years of studying snakes in Mississippi, I've personally caught one. I've had a dozen brought to me over the years. Uh, they're secretive. They burrow in the ground, and they're just not seen very often. Uh, we've had three coral snake bites in the past 50 years all of which uh, recovered uh, uneventfully. Everybody, everybody got through okay. Now, there are snakes up in your area that are tricolored, red, black, and yellow, but those are not coral snakes. All right, Dudley, thanks for that call. And our final call goes to Bill in Greenwood. Bill, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, how are you doing? I see a little small-headed uh, snake here. Uh, he gets to be kind of big. He's black. It's like a gold stripe or specks going down him. And he's very timid. Uh, I can walk up on him, and if he sees me, he'll always sneak off. He's not aggressive. Yeah. You know what the name of it is? Well, if, he, if he's black and he has a stripe down the middle of his back, a stripe lengthwise from the head right down to the tail, it's a ribbon snake, or it's it's relative to a garter snake, and they're both harmless snakes. Now, okay. you said speckles on him. If it's a snake that's black with yellow speckles all over him, like salt and pepper, that's a king yeah. snake. That, yeah, that's a speckled king snake, but the striped one is a ribbon snake up up okay. in that area. Yeah, he's got a real small head. Yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah. him, and he's quick as a bunny. He's out of there as quickly <laughs> as he can. All right, Bill, thanks for your call. 
Uh, we've got just a couple of minutes left here, a, a, a chance for me to again mention the uh, two activities that we're promoting today. Again, Saturday, April 7th, that's this Saturday, at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. It's Nature Fest, a lot of fun family activities going on throughout the day uh, there at the museum. And then Terry has told us about uh, the following Saturday on April 14th, the Bio Blitz and Wildlife Festival. It's taking place in the Natchez Trakes Parkway uh, in Tupelo. And if you need some information, you can call the Visitor Center there. Again, it's an 800 number, so it's 800-305-7417. So, Terry, any kind of final thoughts? I guess, you know, I, I really well, appreciate well, sure. you coming on the air because to, to, I think the more people know about snakes, the maybe the less afraid they'll be. Yeah, yeah, and if if, uh, if the listening audience hasn't gotten enough of my preaching today, they can get another <laughs> dose of it at both of these events. I'll be at uh, the Wildlife Festival BioBlitz up in Tupelo doing programs, live programs a day. We'll, we'll get to, to look at the, the real deal. And then, of course, at the Natural Science Museum where I'm a field associate. I always uh, I do programs down there, and at, at Nature Fest I'll be... If weather if weather's good, I'll be out in the amphitheater, and otherwise we'll be indoors where it's comfy. All right, uh, Terry, thanks so much for joining us today. A lot of great information, had some good calls, and I think, uh, again, folks got some uh, a little better idea of, of, of snakes, and maybe we won't be too afraid of them next time we encounter one. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded and provided in part by Wildlife Mississippi, a statewide organization celebrating more than 20 years of conserving Mississippi's lands, waters, and wildlife, and from contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener is Michelle McAdoo. So for Dr. Troy Major and our guest, Terry Vindeventer, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's MPB's Season Pass. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 with another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.